I, I can be confident and I can be secure in my image and I can do whatever I want. Um, and it's just nice to not to not wonder if I've you know if I'm someone that's capable of X Y Z because I know I am. Welcome to the Man of War with Rafa Kandi. The mission of this podcast is to forge men into warriors, to be transcendent leaders, protectors, and providers. You will strengthen your mindset, increase your self-confidence, and fortify your self-discipline as you become battle-ready to dominate all facets of your life. As always, listen at your own risk. Arise, a warrior, my brothers. Welcome back to the Man of War. My name is Rafa Conde. I am your host, a man on a mission here to transform you into a modern-day warrior, to transform you into the best version of yourself. More importantly, a man that could step up, that can lead from the front, and that could look at fear straight in the fucking eyes and take it over and crush it and move on and overcome daily obstacles and daily challenges and win out your fucking daily battles, right? This is what being a warrior is all about, being battle ready for this game of life. Damn right. Now listen, it's been a long time. It's been a few months as I kick it up live here on a podcast, but I am back 100%. Not only that, okay, and get this through your head, we've been fucking growing mad over the last few months, I mean mad, and it's taken every inch of my fiber to focus on the Man of War company. So what I wanna do here today is this. I wanna introduce you to the Conclave of Warriors too. If you have absolutely no idea about this event, wake the fuck up, all right? December 14 and 15, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Inside the Ritz-Carlton, we're talking about right across from the beautiful Fort Lauderdale Beach, we are putting on a badass event, a transcending event, an empowering summit, a conference for warrior-minded men and women, a conference that will change your life. If you came to the one last year, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you didn't, you need to get on board and get your tickets right now because they are selling out, I'm telling you, all right, very, very quickly, we just sold out today out of the Ritz-Carlton um, event hotel code. Uh, basically, all the rooms are taken, uh, but we still have the W Hotel, which is right about a block away from there. We still have some rooms available there. I'm telling you, go to conclaveofwarriors.com. That's conclaveofwarriors.com and get your tickets. This is going to be a life-changing event. All right, if you haven't been to our Instagram page, or let me rephrase that, my Instagram page, it has been blowing up. I believe we're up to like 17 plus thousand followers. Last time I did this uh, podcast, I think we were at five. So we have climbed literally 12,000 followers over the last just, what, few months, okay? We are growing very, very quickly. So I ask you to give me a follow at Man of War with two R's at the end there. All right, and DM me, email me. I'm very active, people. You know, I'm very approachable. We talk, I communicate with my people. Awesome, love it. Okay, I do some lives in there. Um, I, you know, usually post some pretty cool shit there. So go check that out. Also, if you have not done so for whatever reason, all right, you haven't gone over to iTunes and left a review on this show, I'm gonna ask you, please do that. 
All right, it'll mean so much to me. I mean, look, the bottom line is this, okay? This podcast has been kicking ass across the board. It is a top-rated podcast because of you. All right, yeah, we have great guests on, and that's beautiful, but the bottom line is this. It is because of you, because you believe in this man-of-war movement, because you believe in becoming a better version of yourself, because you believe in walking in the warrior's path. Listen, this is the only podcast out there that focuses on warrior development, on forging your mindset, forging your spirit, and forging your body. This is what we're all about, bottom line. All right, guys. Before we get into this badass interview, all right, with John Allen here, um, you got to think about two things in your life right now, all right? Where are you and where do you want to be? All right, I think this podcast here is going to answer that for you. So if you don't have earphones on, put them on, kind of dive into this, whether you're working out, you're running, you're driving, you're just sitting down on a couch and relaxing. I want you really to absorb this. And as always, right, grab yourself a paper and a pen and write shit down, and then implement the fuck out of it. All right, implement it and integrate it into your life. This is how you're going to make a difference out there, all right? Take action, whatever you do. All right, guys, let's do this and go. John Allen, welcome to the Man of War podcast, brother. It's an absolute honor to have you on. Thank you. I, I'm honestly, I feel very honored to have been asked to be a part of this. You guys are taking off. So really, thank you for asking me to join. Thank you, man. Thank you. We love to have warrior-minded men out here. We love to have uh, individuals that really have a, uh, a strong mindset and that have really, in the end, uh, stepped up and done something with their skills, with their experience, and are all about giving and sharing and just helping others, man. That is what, in my opinion, what a warrior lives by, right? Serving that higher purpose and helping others. Absolutely. All right, so for our audience, what I want you to do is introduce yourself, give us a little bit of input on who you are and what you're all about. Sure, so I, I grew up in Boston, Mass., um, diehard Red Sox fan. Um, my family is very intellectually driven. I have uh, two Pulitzer Prize winners in my, uh, my immediate family. Damn. Very smart crowd, and I think growing up, I... I didn't like the idea of just kind of going into academia and then into like corporate America. And I kind of rebelled against this idea of kind of following my family's path. Um, and really that, what that turned into was I just got really bad grades and didn't really do anything. So I wasn't really making a statement. I just wasn't getting good grades. Um, and by the end of high school, I, you know, I barely graduated and it wasn't the only reason I got into college is because my mom, who's just, it's a fantastic writer, literally wrote my college essay and sent it to the school and the school even reached out to me and we're like hey you know you're not, not uh, necessarily a great fit for us but that essay you wrote was was perfect so we'd love to welcome you to the school um you know i just i, I basically floundered throughout high school into into college mm -hmm. and i think i had this moment this this epiphany while i was in college where i'm looking at my life to that point um and i just felt like i had really squandered a lot of opportunity um, by claiming that, you know, I didn't want to follow my family's path kind of thing. But really all I was doing is just not doing well and getting bad grades. And so I didn't know what I was going to do with my life. Um, I felt like I was set up for a kind of mediocre existence. And I was fortunate enough to have the opportunity to meet with two Navy SEALs when I was in college. And um, I didn't know much about them. I mean, I, th I think that the only experience I had with SEALs was I had played video games with Navy SEALs. And I thought they were really cool. 
Uh, and I met these two guys. And what struck me about them uh, was just, you know, I, I was so in awe of them, even though they weren't putting on any sort of, they weren't doing anything. They were being very normal. Uh, but just being in their presence, I was like, man, these guys have earned every bit of the respect that I'm totally giving them. And I just love this idea of, you know, a program like the SEAL teams where it takes all kinds. You go to this this course and if you can just suffer and put up with the misery for long enough, it's like you're baptized and reborn on the back end. It's like no one gives a shit what you did before you went to SEAL training. Once you become a SEAL, you're a SEAL, whether you have a pedigree or not. And it just inspired me to like, man, I think I found my calling. I Instead of just being this kid who could have done a lot, but really just got bad grades and didn't do anything. I was like, if I go be a SEAL, I can kind of make up for all the mediocrity that I've created in my life. Um, and so I, I was hell bent on becoming a SEAL. As soon as I graduated college, I was at the recruiter's office um, and I went off to be a SEAL. And, you know, honestly, uh, I feel like expectations were very high for what the training would be like and then what it would be like to be a SEAL. And they were met. I mean, it's it, it, the beautiful thing is, you know, the the SEAL training pipeline. I mean, it's like the perfect meritocracy. It's like if you can get through it, you can become a SEAL. Um, and you're surrounded by people that like understand that. And you're surrounded by these driven folks that are either there because they got chips on their shoulders or they're there because, you know, they've always been obsessed with the SEALs. But everyone's got the same goal and everyone understands the stakes uh, and getting through that and, and being really kind of you know, forged in a uh, fire that really is uh, SEAL training. By the end of it, you come out a different person and a stronger person. Um, and so, yeah, I became a SEAL. And uh, I'm going gl- to gloss through my career because I'm sure we're going to get into it. But I did seven years in the teams. Um, and I actually got hurt in Afghanistan uh, on my first deployment. Um, and while that did not immediately prompt an exit from the military, uh, it ultimately was the reason I was medically retired in 2017. And then I jumped into entrepreneurship and started a, a, an exclusive veteran transition program for Navy SEALs and other elite operators that now has over 700 people in it. All right. So let's talk a little bit about the time and, you know, that you were in BUDS and, and the SEAL teams. And do you believe that forged your mindset for who you are today and uh, how successful you have been here in entrepreneurship? I do. And, and I think it's actually for for a really specific reason. Um, so I think that men generally, they want to be tested at some point in their life. They, they may not realize it, but there is a, there's an element of being a man uh, where there just needs to be a point in your life where you feel like you've kind of lived up to your status as a man. And I think that what SEAL training really afforded me uh, is in virtue of going to this thing, SEAL training, and then getting through it, um, now I don't have in my mind, I don't have a nagging thought that I haven't been tested. I feel I feel like I really have been tested. Um, and I don't think that you need to go become a Navy SEAL to satisfy that. I mean, it could be as simple as maybe you've always been afraid of, maybe you've always thought, man, wouldn't it be great if I could go run a marathon, but you've created excuses why you haven't done it. Well, I mean, if you keep coming back to this idea of being a guy that's done a marathon, if you don't go do it, at some point in your life, it'll be too late. And you'll, you'll, you'll want to know if you could have done it. 
Um, and so for me, like having been through this thing that I set my sights on seal training and then getting through the slog of selection, which is just brutal now, I mean, to say it's not even confidence, although there, that's a part of it. It's like, I'm totally secure in my image. I walk into a room with literally anyone and it isn't that I am like this arrogant, cocky asshole, but it's just like, I don't need to prove myself to anybody because I know what I'm capable of. I've been tested. Um, and so it's really set me up to like, I look at things in life and I just say, well, if I want to do it, I'm going to, I'm going to go do it. I don't have, I don't have like a reservation, like, oh, what if I fail? Because it just doesn't matter as much to me because I know what I'm made of. So I think that going through something as difficult as selection, seal selection, it's, it's showed me that like, I, I, I can be confident and I can be secure in my image and I can do whatever I want. Um, and it's just nice to not to not wonder if I've, you know, if I'm someone that's capable of XYZ because I know I am. And I think that's a very valuable part of becoming a Navy SEAL. That's awesome. And certainly, so that mindset certainly did help you along the way here and who you are today. I mean, it's, um, you know, the way I see it here is that, you know, your confidence level, um, knowing that you went through that and uh, no one could ever take, take that away from you is so, so important. Now, I'm going to flip the hat on you a little bit here. Talk to me about resting on your laurels. And, and, and I, I understand clearly what you're saying about, hey, you've been there, you've done that. But isn't there also something to be said for being the best that you can today? And, and what I feel, and a lot of times, and this is across the board, whether you're, you're in the military, whether you're in law enforcement, whether you're first responder, guys that have been there that have been under the fire when shit has been bad, 10 years down the road, they're like, well, you know what? I did that 10 years ago. Problem with that that I have sometimes is that, yeah, maybe you did that 10 years ago and I respect that, but today you're failing miserably. A lot of guys out there, and I don't know if you see this, but being that I've, I'm, I'm out there and, and, and our culture here is all about forging men into warriors today, I see that there are a lot of guys out there that are resting on their laurels. And you see these guys are completely overweight. They're working miserable jobs. They have a terrible family life. And yeah, they did something when they were in their 20s and you know late 20s. Great. But what are you doing today? What's your take on resting on your laurels? No, it's, that's a great point. Um, I think that probably the reason I didn't even think to bring that up is I think one of the other elements that... Uh, seal selection did for me my brothers just a quick break in the action here conclave of warriors december 14 and 15 fort lauderdale beach florida inside the beautiful ritz carlton you must be there this is a life-changing event for like-minded individuals individuals that walk on that warrior's path listen we're going to have an unbelievable group of guest speakers we're going to touch subjects such as mental toughness self-discipline, self-confidence, all right, the reality of taking action. We're going to talk about the subjects that really are at the core of stepping it up and start living a different life than you're living today, to taking it up to a different level, to another level out there. My brothers, I ask you this, 
All right. If you've never gone to an event and he did not come here last year to the Conclave of Warriors, you missed out big time. Grab your tickets right here and right now. I want to shake your hands, man. And I want to say, hey, welcome to this brotherhood. Conclaveofwarriors.com. My time in the military did for me, and I, I had a very close call with, with death, um, is I left the SEAL teams feeling really confident. Like I mentioned, I, the level of confidence was high. Uh, very self-secure, but it also showed me that if a guy like me, and this is not a humble brag, this is just the truth, an average-sized dude with no pedigree from Boston who really had no reason to go be a SEAL, I had no military background, nothing, can go get through this program and become a Navy SEAL, then what else am I capable of? And seeing, frankly, my peers that have left the teams and other special units that have gone on to start very successful companies, um, that have just been really successful in every different way. Um, I'll be honest, I feel like every day I'm thinking, man, I better step up my game. And, you know, like, uh, for example, so I'm, I've just started getting into speaking a little bit, um, just a little bit, like not in any way serious, but thinking about it and I've done a couple of speaking gigs. And I've always been, I've always had the self-consciousness of speaking to a group can be a little terrifying. Um, but I know that I'm good at it. I know I'm good at speaking. And so like, instead of sitting around and like putting off, you know, speaking, cause there's a part of me that feels self-conscious about it. My mindset is like, okay, I'm 30. If I just wait and wait and wait at some point, I'm going to be 35, then I'm going to be 40, then I'm going to be 45. And at some point it'll be too late. So like, I might as well go fail right now, start booking speaking gigs, go do it. And like, just go forward and do it because at some point you're either going to do it or you're not. So you might as well do it now. And so I, I guess I've just had the mindset of like, there's no better time than now uh, to do something. And I think that's, that's definitely a product of, I guess, SEAL selection, opening my mind to the possibilities of what you're actually capable of. But to, to your point about people's resting on their laurels, um, I've got to say, it's, it's, such a, it's such a waste of life to do that. Um, it, I think you should, you should be proud of what you've done in the past. And you mentioned that too. Absolutely be proud of the things you've done. But like life is not about talking about what you did 10 years ago. It's about learning and it's about growing and it's about using what you did 10 years ago to be better now and to be able to leverage all that experience to keep leveling up your life. Good stuff. All right, so let's talk a little bit about your darkest moment. I mean, you talked a little bit where you almost faced death and, and all that good stuff, so I wanna get into that. Sure. Um, so in, uh, when I got to a team in 2012, um, I really wasn't sure if I'd have the opportunity to, to go to combat because at the time, you know, we're kind of looking at the political landscape and we're saying, okay, I, I don't know if I'm gonna have a shot at getting to go to Afghanistan. Um, and just, I mean, I'm sure you probably touched on this on all, all of your shows probably, but you know, when you become a, a Navy SEAL, for example, or, you know, Green Beret or any of these frontline, you know, combat troops, all you want to do is go put it to use in actual combat. I and mean, that's what everybody wants to do. And so when I got to a team, I was very lucky that the platoon I joined uh, was slated to go to Afghanistan. And so, you know, again, I was just like thrilled, got to a team. We did our workup, which took about a year. Uh, and then I deployed to Afghanistan. And, uh, you know, I felt very fortunate to have the opportunity. Um, and so in Afghanistan, it was... Uh, I had expectations of, of, you know, what combat was going to be like. And I think by, by all accounts, it was every bit the, what I thought it was going to be. Um, 
you know, it's, it's harrowing, it's, it's terrifying, it's exciting. Um, and we had this, you know, the first five months of this six month deployment, it, it started slow, but we started picking it up and, and we were definitely like engaging with the enemy fairly regularly. Um, and then at the, the very end of the deployment, um, so the fifth month out of the, the six months we were there, um, there was this town near where we were staying, uh, maybe about eight miles away from where we were actually stationed. And we were living at some outstation out in the middle of the sticks. And uh, it was just a really bad town. You'd go in there and pretty much you knew that you were going to get shot at. There wasn't people weren't pretending like you weren't a friend of the area. You went in there and you got shot at. And it was just it was very frustrating to go in there and feel like you really couldn't accomplish much because people were just openly ready to fight back. Um, and so we went in there one day uh, towards the end and basically bit off more than we could chew. Uh, there was way more fighters in the town than we expected. Um, and it turned into a pretty uh, intense gunfight for about, uh, you know, six hours or so. We had, you know, a couple of our partner force got shot, our dog got shot. Um, There's just a series of medevacs, you know, in and out of there for the day. And by the evening time, uh, you know, our team had been spread out across this town. And this town was very urban. It was, you know, Afghanistan is very mountainous and it's very rural. Right. But this particular town was very urban. And we had kind of split up into different fire teams. So groups of like, you know, three to six people. Uh, and my fire team uh, just happened to be on a section of the of the town that was closest to, uh, well, we got this call from a, a drone overhead that said they had spotted um, a group of people that could be, you know, the enemy. They could have guns and they're over in this area and they dropped their infrared spotlight down. And it just so happened that our, our fire team was closest to this this group of, of people that we didn't know who they were. And so we decided to go check it out. Uh, the plan, based on the intel we were given, was we would go to this wall, we would look over the wall, and we, we would be able to look across this field and see this group huddled against this other wall, kind of maybe 100 feet away from where we'd poke our heads up. Um, somehow there was, there was a bit of miscommunication, and we went down this alleyway to this initial look point, poked our heads over the wall, and we discovered that the group of, of men were actually literally on the other side of this, this little wall. And they were carrying grenades with pins out. And so we are less than a foot away from uh, the enemy. Um, and they hear us, we hear them. And what ensues is like a truly uh, very intimate uh, close quarters combat. Grenades come over the wall. Um, one detonates right next to me. Uh, another one detonated down the way. Uh, pretty much everybody's concussed or banged up. Um, my memory kind of goes a little bit sideways at this point. Um, Basically, if it wasn't for my medic uh, grabbing me, dragging me to safety, putting my tourniquets on, um, I would have died. Uh, and, and it's and it's not like because I'm being dramatic. It's because I remember like laying against this wall, unable to put my tourniquets on, and I see this pool of blood growing underneath me. Um, and I, I'm deeply aware that that this is what dying feels like. It, it wasn't even it wasn't sad. It wasn't scary. It was just a fact. Um, Oddly enough, it reminded me of when I was seven, I broke my collarbone when I was rollerblading. And when I fell and I hit the ground, I knew instantaneously that my collarbone was definitely broken. I didn't need to go to a hospital. It was like a fact. Before I even touched it, I knew it was broken. It's right. like your body just knows when something bad is happening to you. And this was a situation where, you know, my vision went, my hearing went, and I'm just trapped in my head realizing uh, that this is the end. And I keeled over thinking that was the end of my life. 
but my medic saved my life, picked me up and they ushered me to the medevac and they saved my life. Um, so that was a, that was a, that was a dark, dark point for sure. Uh, fortunately that day, despite all the injuries, um, nobody on my team died, uh, which was amazing. I think that we all look back at the deployment and we're all still amazed that no one was killed. But of the, uh, 24 people on the team i think we had like 11 purple hearts or something it was just like a crazy crazy deployment yeah that's some uh radical stuff right there <clears throat> so being in, in the heat of battle close quarter it, it's a little bit different um than you know being out at 50 100 200 yards um and i think that kind of ups the ante a little bit what do you think yeah i mean it doesn't feel real uh, I mean, mm -hmm. to be clear, when this happened, I was totally like out of the fight because the grenade came over the wall right. uh, and it blew my helmet off. I didn't have night vision. I didn't have my gun. Oh. It, like all I'm like useless. And, you know, I but I mean, in speaking with the people that were actually like openly engaging with the enemy in this like mm -hmm. point blank situation, I mean, they're literally like a foot away shooting their gun at these people. It's like. That's yeah, surreal. Crazy. It's it's not. It's yeah. It's like you even in military training, like you know, you don't train uh, for close quarters shooting. Mm -hmm. Anytime you're in a close quarters, like when you're doing close quarters combat, there's a point at which you go from your weapon system to your to your hand to hand. If you're so so close, of course. Uh, and uh, it's just it was it didn't feel real. I mean, I remember like before the medic actually saved my life. Um, I was sitting against this wall and, and to be clear, this is like the city that we were in after the grenades came over the wall. The way mm -hmm. these people work is the city just started lobbing RPGs and just shooting arbitrarily in our direction. Like mm -hmm. they could easily be hitting their own people, but they just didn't give a crap. They just started shooting in our Good direction. Shit. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, it was like you're in hell. It was like explosions. I mean, we, we literally called in an airstrike uh, like 10 feet away from ourselves to hit the people that were attacking us because there was no other options. And like you have to get commanders initialing to like call in an airstrike basically on yourself. It was like this can't be real. Like this is not something that you train for. But I mean, the, the thing is, it's like the people on my team that were the ones making all the decisions and calling in airstrikes and saving people's lives. I mean... I remember thinking like, wow, like it's, it's amazing what the training is actually, what you actually get from this training. I mean, this is about as bad as it gets. And you have this very small group of people that are in the worst possible situation that they're all, all of them, their reaction is to just do their job really, really well, despite the, the risk, despite the damage, despite the, whatever's going on. It was like, it was just unbelievable. And in fact, in my debrief with uh, some of the commanding officers of our command, or some of the leadership of, of our command, they asked me, hey, what's your takeaway from, from this experience now that you've you know, survived this and you're, you're all back and safe? And I was just like, honestly, it's uh, the training works. The uh, SEAL training is not a hoax. It's uh, pretty remarkable when, when shit goes sideways, what these, these men are capable of. And it, it was very inspiring. It was pretty amazing. Very cool. Hey, I want to ask you a question, something that I was thinking about just... Um, through your training at all, did did the SEALs ever um, mention or take strategies from any of the warrior cultures, such as Spartan and so on? Uh, <clears throat> um, I don't think it ever came up deliberately. I think that anything that, that was, you know, put into a curriculum to be mm -hmm. 
trained mm-hmm. a lot of time a lot of times we didn't get like historical context it was just like this is what we're learning period right right um so it's hard to say i think that there's no doubt that there is a uh, a cultural overlap with you know the, the spartan warriors i mean you see guys with tattoos all the time in the mm-hmm. teams of like spartan war scenes um and uh i i think that the the biggest overlap i see is and i, I think we're going to get to this at the end but like the modern day warrior is unapologetic about being a warrior you know in our society today you have there's all these people that like have you know that that are because of the, the political correctness in our culture everyone's like trying to make sure that they're keeping they're not doing or saying anything that's too offensive but you know in, the modern warrior is unashamed about being a warrior and i think what you get with the spartans is the same it's like it was an honor and you know being a spartan warrior is a really big deal and they were proud of it and it's who they were and i think the the overlap with the seal teams and by extension the other special operations and combat troops people are mm-hmm. proud to be a frontline combat troop i think being unashamed about being a warrior is key you're a young guy so let's stay right on this uh, road on this path it, what i see out there in our society it, we've had a monster mind shift here from from uh, years and years ago you know we talk about millennials we talk about their mindset you being young at your age and how old are you again i'm 30 you're 30 so you're right in the mix of the millennials talk to me about what you feel i mean i mean your friends people that you surround yourself with around the same age i mean what are you seeing out there from your perspective um you know i so i i've I've had the i mean when i so i have i have when i grew up i grew up in in massachusetts very liberal town Uh, my, my family definitely is very leftward leaning very uh you know, into politics and very smart. I, I went to a school in Western Mass called the University of Massachusetts, which is a very liberal school. Uh, and all my friends were, you know, I grew up where, you know, being leftward leaning was not strange or anything. It was like, that's right. what you did. Mm-hmm. And so my, 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 my early years were really uh, very liberal uh, and like in higher education. And then I went to the SEAL teams and it's not so much a political shift as much as it's a mindset shift where you have kids that are when you're in, in like Western mass at, at a college where everyone's there and is like, you know, worried about grades and they're like getting some stupid major that's definitely not going to turn into a career. But like, that's what they're doing when you go to the, the SEAL teams. I mean, it's it's hyper masculine for sure, but it's also people that are focused on like, what impact am I going to have and like really caring about. Like the end yeah and so Mm -hmm. like they are worried about okay cool i'm getting this training and i'm going through but i want to be i want to be the best seal i can be Mm -hmm. and you did i didn't have that in uh in college i didn't have that growing up where people were more concerned with checking boxes and just doing things because that's what they were supposed to do someone else is kind of driving them to do it Mm -hmm. honestly higher education like oh yeah, you, you got to go get your college degree, but like actually articulate why I need to do that, why it doesn't make more sense for me to go to a vocational tech school or something. Like there's a lot of, there's a lot of groupthink that happens on, uh, in, in liberal campuses for sure, where people are just kind of doing stuff, but they don't have their own motivations for it. And then being exposed to a group of people in the SEAL teams where everybody is like deeply aware of why they're there. 
and what matters to them. They have strong opinions about things, but they're not jerks about it. And right. it was just like unreal to be around people that were my age, that are the same age as the kids that are in college with me, like just a year earlier. Sure. Same age, same same generation, but they've discovered something that it's not about checking boxes. It's not about like towing the line and following the herd. It's about identifying what your strengths are or what you want them to be and like striving for something bigger than what you're doing now and actually caring about how good you are at the thing you're striving to be, not just checking boxes. And so I have found that I've, I've been exposed to people that don't even realize that they are totally a part of the masses and their group thinking and they're just checking boxes. And when they finish school, they're going to be like totally unhappy because they don't have purpose. And then I've at the same time been around people that all they care about is purpose and drive and, and accomplishing as much as they can. Uh, and it's just a way better way to live your life. So I feel blessed to have been around and know the people that are on one side and know how much better it is to be on the side that I'm on now, which is like find purpose and, and achieve greatness. Do you feel that you were alienated with people maybe that you were that you grew up with um because maybe you did have that mind shift i think that the uh the, the what has been difficult although i think that there's definitely been some reconciliation that's taken place is you know my family was largely supportive of my decision to go be a seal mm -hmm. um but there's a couple things that that surprised them about it beyond you know obviously you know, the, the risk of not making it, um, you know, it's, I hadn't really done anything in my life to demonstrate that I was going to be capable of getting through something as difficult as SEAL training. And so they looked at it as like, come on, like you, you can, you can barely pass your school courses. Like you're telling me you're going to go be a Navy SEAL now. Like there's such a low percentage chance. That's one side. And then the other is just like a lack of, of, of exposure to, the military because we, there was no one in my life really that that was military and so my family was just we, we were used to being around leftward leaning intellectuals that certainly weren't joining the uh, the military sure. and so when i left uh i think at first no one really knew what to make of it my family didn't really know what to make of it but then when i succeeded and became a seal and i i changed you know look i'm i'm, mm -hmm. I'm around this new group of people it was like I became kind of foreign to my family. And to be honest, over the entire time I was in the military, uh, my communication with my family, who I'm very close with, just kind of dissipated because I just felt like I couldn't really relate. And they also felt like they couldn't really relate. It was like we became foreign to each other. Uh, and it really took uh, leaving the military uh, and me kind of becoming a little bit more self-aware uh, and maturing as a, as a person and realizing how important that relationship is with my family to really intentionally bridge the gap and reach back and say, hey, let's find a way to, you know, <laughs> work well together again. But man, it, it was difficult. I felt like I had uh, I had left the nest and wasn't allowed back. Um, wow. And but now I do feel like there's uh, there's enough, you know, uh, we're we're on the same page now that it's good. But it's it's intense. I mean, to I, I pretty much turned 180 from what I was growing up and what I was quote supposed to be. I went a completely different direction and it surprised some people. Hmm. That's an interesting story. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, I mean, you totally shift shifted hats and, and your way of thinking and your probably your, even your demeanor, your character, when you come out of uh, a war like that and you, you know, you go into a left leaning family and they see you, I mean, it, it has to be, uh, very different for them. And even that point, you know, 
they might not even know who the hell you are, right? I mean, shit, you're, you've been gone for, for years and you've been involved in, in these battles and this total transformation of, of body, mind, and spirit. And it's like him and here's our, here's our son, our brother, our, our friend, but he's you know, radically different from where he left. Yeah, I mean that's that's really it. And, yeah. and to be honest, the the people that I grew up with, um, I really I lost touch. I mean, I, I left and, and kind of and went out of my own way. And I really haven't uh, even had the opportunity to see how much different we are now. I've kind of I kind of started a new chapter when I went to the Navy. So, talk to me a little bit about courage. What does courage mean to you in your life right now? Oh man. Um, well, there's the cliche answer, which is like courage is, you know, like in the heat of battle, like still doing what you're supposed to do. But I think that uh, I actually have a, a new definition for courage that I'm sure there is a percentage of people that would listen to this and be like, oh, my God, this guy's an idiot. But I don't care. I'll, I'll tell you what I think it is. So I uh, I don't think it was necessarily courageous for me to go become a seal in the sense that, like, I was so excited and loved the idea of being a seal and so it took a lot of like grit and determination to get through training but mm-hmm. ultimately like it wasn't courage it was the thing i wanted to do um courage comes from something that you don't necessarily want to do that you have to do or something that you're feeling compelled to do that maybe you're not keen to do and so i didn't really feel what real courage is until after i got out of the military um so again, my, my jaunt into the military and selection and even combat, it wasn't bravery. It was, that was what I wanted to be doing. It took grit and determination, but I wanted to do it. When I got out and I start Elite Meet, the, the veteran charity that I run, I needed to find a way to sell the charity to raise money. I mean, like, that's what you need. You got to raise money. And, and the biggest hang up I had um, was, you know, there's a lot, there's taboo surrounding you know, being, you know, public about being a Navy SEAL once you get out, because when you're in, it's so hyper team first that there is a negative view coming from the active duty folks. There's a negative view of the guys who get out and, you know, like, quote unquote, sell out, which it, honestly, like, it's, it's a bit of groupthink happening in there. But either way, there's a very negative opinion. And so I started creating content on social media at first to advertise elite meat and to drive, you know, donations for that and to drive exposure. Cause I mean, we've, we've raised over a million dollars just through social media campaigns. And so it was working, but I started to get the ire of the community. They didn't like that. I was, you know, kind of out there on social media or maybe I was hypersensitive to it. But when I started making my Instagram posts, I decided, Hey, you know, most of my social media is happening on LinkedIn for elite meet and, 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 and kind of telling the story of the SEAL teams and of special operations mm-hmm. and getting people really interested. Um, I shifted to Instagram because there's a billion users. I was like, you, you're silly not to put your business on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And when I got on Instagram, it really took off and people were really interested in the content I was putting out. Um, but with a bigger audience and more people looking at it, also many of my active duty brothers are on Instagram. Maybe they have an anonymous account or something. But I think a lot of people saw what I was doing on Instagram and talking about my experience, nothing sensitive, just talking about being a SEAL, talking about the kind of collective exceptionalism of the SEAL teams and of special operations. Again, trying to just attract people to me, to elite me. Um, I started getting like 
outright hate mail from people that I served with that just didn't understand what I was doing, took it as being very exploitative um, and took it as me kind of like cashing in on the, on the trident, so to speak. Um, and that was, uh, to say it was a deep blow is not even close. I mean, it's the deepest of blows. But so to answer your question about courage, um, the way I've looked at it is, you know what, like I would rather take chances and really like shoot for the stars and try to do the best job I possibly can, whether it's, you know, driving, you know, people to come to elite me to be interested in my story and what I'm doing. I need to continue on this path. And I remember after I got a, a five page letter from one of my very closest teammates, basically detailing why I was a piece of shit. Um, right, right. I, the next day I posted on social media, like I, I, I made a point of, I'm not doing some special post. I'm not like reacting to it. I'm just going to continue doing the thing that I believe I'm supposed to do. And it mm -hmm. was putting myself out there in a way that I know there's a percentage of people that disagree with me and that I'm going to be put up for scrutiny for sure. Posting on social media, knowing that people are, dislike me for it has been one of the most difficult things that I've ever had to do. But I'm glad I'm doing it because you know what? Like nobody boos and nobody. And if you want to make splashes in the world, you got to take risks. And that involves people not liking what you're doing. And so I like the idea of taking risks and saying, fuck the naysayers and doing what you, you think you should do. That's the way to go, man. That is um, definitely a, a lot of heart behind that. That is totally a way that a lot of people fail to see, you know, especially when you talk about doing something uh, to help others. I mean, you're not out there. You know, when people think that you're cashing in on your experience and what you've earned, I mean, the reality here is this, and I have spoken to hundreds of men in, in all different elite positions. Um, and one of the things that, that has kind of enlightened me um, when I had a conversation with a bunch of them is, look, no one out there is going to toot your horn louder than yourself, period, okay? And in reality, in our, in our world nowadays, for you to be successful, you have to go out there and you have to, to market and brand yourself. Yep. And so be it that you, know, you were a SEAL, a Green Beret, a SWAT guy, a fireman, a pilot, whatever the, the fuck it is, you know, and you feel that that's gonna help you brand and you feel that there, there's no reason why not to use it. I mean, I, 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 I don't see why there's, you know, why there's a stigma behind that. And I tell you, coming from law enforcement, it's the same shit, you know, oh, yeah. well, you shouldn't use this, you shouldn't use that. Uh, the reality in life is in our world nowadays, for you to brand yourself, all right, you have to have some type of credentials behind you in the sense that, you know, if you are talking about something, you got to have some weight behind you to say, hey, look, I have this experience that's backing me. Yep. And uh, I think there's nothing more powerful than that. So with, with that... On. So with that said, I mean, you know, that that was something courageous for you to do, man. You were brave enough to go out there. So I want to talk about your company now. All right. And um, I love what you're doing with it. And just give me a, a glimpse here of what exactly is elite, elite meat. So we take uh, elite veterans that are transitioning out of the military or who are out already. Mm -hmm. We have an application process to identify what they're looking to do, what they mm -hmm. think they want to do. Mm -hmm. um, and we connect them to our network at our events 
So we have a physical way of connecting them to our network, and then we also have a very robust uh, private channel where we connect them to our network as well. Um, so from a high level, I think that what we're really trying to accomplish is we're trying to showcase the true value of elite veterans, think Navy SEALs, fighter pilots, um, and we're connecting them to people in places that without knowing a guy, you're not going to get access to those people. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's, it's like uh, I, I tell people, it's like we're, we, you're, you, you, the member that we've invited to be a part of this, the, the Navy SEAL that becomes a part of Elite Me, like you're going to get a job on your own. Yes, we're structured as a charity. Yes, we want to help you transition. But we're not looking for people that are actually in a position where they like cannot find a job. We're looking for people that definitely can find a job, but we're going to maximize your potential. We're going to connect you to the CEO of this Fortune 500 company because we have mm-hmm. a personal relationship with them. So it's kind of like a super exclusive matchmaking organization that right now is is it's becoming the kind of uh, the go-to program, if you will, for transitioning elite vets. Fucking love it, man. Love it. You know, you have to separate that, you know, you have to get that tier one individual, that guy that's, you know, elite and it's really, you know, has the experience and it has the articulation, has the the knowledge, the drive, right, the focus to be able to step up to that different level and connect them with those higher level individuals. And I think we have a, an issue with, with connecting a lot of these guys with the right people. And like you said, um, and I say this over and over again, 99% of the time for you to connect yourself with someone that's up in that elite level, you're going to have to go through some type of program. And a lot of times you're going to have to pay to play. That's just oh, yeah. the way it goes. All right, this whole thing about meeting somebody in the, at the corner store or in the library, that is very, very <laughs> few far between. Yeah, I would totally agree. I mean, like, you, the, the reality is, is like, I would say that as much as your currency today is, you know, your, your, your footprint on the internet, like, can people find you? I would say in addition to that, in addition to your brand, uh, your currency is absolutely who do you know? I mean, like, like it's crazy to me, you know, in, in through Elite Meet, I end up being a reference for a lot of the, the members when they are in a, a when they're in the pipeline to get a job. You know, they'll put me down as a reference because I can obviously speak to their experience and I'm the CEO of the organization. So I have some credibility there. And like I speak to recruiters at these amazing firms. And one of the key questions they have is, would you say so and so the person that has asked me to be the referral? would you say so-and-so is well-connected? And they really want to know who they know. Like, that is a central part of, like, what is this person going to bring to the table? And I always say, hey, in virtue of being a member of Elite Meet, these guys are extremely well-connected. So who you know is a big deal, and it's hard to do it unless you know what you're doing. Absolutely. I agree 100% with that. All right, so let's dive into a little bit of, and this is a, a subject that is a, a little bit fond to my heart. And, and when we talk about um, nowadays, the mentality of the newer generation, and we did touch base on that, but I want to dive into a little bit more uh, about the mindset and overcoming challenges and why we've transitioned to a culture now that for for lack of a better word they just kind of quit and then jump onto something new literally every month it seems like um and i know from the seal teams you were taught you know never quit never quit i mean that's a that's a very strong mentality why do you think 
our generation now has that quit mentality for, for a lot of things that are, especially when it's dark and rough and ugly and they got to get their hands dirty. Why is it? I think that it comes down to our attention span. I think that with the prevalence of basically living in a, in a world, not just that this is not just a generational thing, but living in a world right now where if, if you can't get access to something in like a fraction of a second, you assume something's broken. Like when I searched for your name <laughs> yeah, on Skype, true. I put yeah. your name in and it pulled up some other name. And I was like, what the hell's wrong with Skype? Right. And all it was is I just needed to enter an additional character and you would have popped up. Right. But my my immediate reaction is something's wrong with Skype when it's actually human error. But like that's the way it works. It's like if you call an Uber, if your Uber isn't showing up in the first like two minutes, you get frustrated. You give them a negative review. You cancel the call. You cancel the ride. Uh, social media. It's like it's crazy when you when you spurt, when you search for somebody and you can't find them. It's like how can I not find this person? The point is, it's like we we are conditioned to not only relying on technology that's really advanced, but we're also used to having immediate access to everything. And so as much as I do, I wish that we could like we could say it's because of all the participation medals, you know, that that's kind of a thought, you know, everybody gets a participation trophy. I think that's part of it. Culturally, I think we're in a, we're in a position where we're so PC that, you know, we want to pander to our kids and keep them safe and all that. But I think even more is everything is instantly accessible. In order to get through, for example, SEAL training, I mean, it's six months, just the selection portion is six months where there's not a single pat on the back, nothing is instantaneous, and it just gets progressively harder and worse, and it gets harder and harder to see the end goal that seemed so amazing when you were at home before you left. Oh my God, wouldn't it be so cool to be a Navy SEAL? But once you're in the grind, and it's such a long process, you really need to have a, an internal reason for going to be able to push past all the bullshit that you got to deal with. But if, if you don't have a driving thing, like if you're you know a kid today, if you don't have something long term that you can see yourself doing, you're kind of caught up in the short term. You know, like maybe one day you're interested in being a, a firefighter and then like you go and, and it's difficult as soon as you start. And you're like, you know, I don't want to do this shit. I'd rather do something else. So I think it's it's unless you have a, a reason for sticking it out through the bullshit, um, whatever it is, whether it's something as difficult as seal selection or anything else, we end up defaulting to what we're used to, which is instant gratification, instant access. And unless you have a reason for not getting those two things, because you're like, I don't care that this is, in, this is not instantaneous, because I see the end state, I see where I want to go. I'm willing to deal with the bullshit between now and then, because I know where I want to go. If you don't have that, if you don't have the end state, you're going to default to wanting instant gratification and you're surrounded by people that feel the same way. So everybody acts that way. And so of course people are dropping out and quitting because they probably don't know what the fuck they're doing and they have no reason to do anything. And they're just like jumping to the next thing that can make them instantly happy. What do you see yourself in five years? Um, I, uh, so I have a side hustle right now. I'm running a small media company, um, doing some social media consulting, but I, I, I can see myself uh, doing large speaking events. I'm also in the middle of writing a book, which I think will help me with uh, with that as something I want to do. I see myself transitioning from the CEO of Elite Meat to on the board, um, mostly because the, the experience I got in running this company fresh out of the military was awesome and it helped me in so many ways that I want to give that to someone else. Um, but basically, I see myself uh, growing my media company 
uh, doing speaking engagements, leveraging my book to help me do that, um, doing some side consulting as well, either leadership consulting or social media consulting, um, and then stepping out of the CEO role of Elite Meet into the board and helping the next generation run the company and grow it. That's great, man. You know, you have a vision and you have a mission, and I, and I love to see that, man. You're a warrior in my book, no doubt about it. Um, with that said, what is your definition of a modern day warrior? So I actually, I, I kind of answered it earlier because it, when you, when you had prepped mm -hmm. me and you said, we're going to ask this question, yeah. I was thinking about it. And I really do think that it's, it's not only, you know, having tenacity and mental toughness and all those things. I think that the modern day warrior is someone like take a Navy SEAL, for example, who not only is literally a warrior, where their job requires going overseas and fighting the enemy, but they're proud to be a warrior. They actually are unashamed about being a warrior. And, you know, I was reading uh, some comments on, I, mean, I don't even know how I found this, but there, I was reading through some graduation speech from one of the Bud's classes that graduated, and some Master Chief was like, really, the, the only thing that separates the people that become Navy SEALs and graduate from everybody else is they have, you know, certainly mental toughness and grit. You know, you got to have those things, but they're unashamed about being a warrior. And in today's society where there's so much political correctness happening, it's almost taboo to be like, yeah, I want to go fight the enemy overseas, <laughs> you right. know, even though that's required. The, the country right. needs that. So I, <laughs> I think people that are, that own what they're doing it's not just literally being a warrior because this can apply to anybody if you're doing something that you care about don't back down from doing it don't tell people you're doing something else don't shield what you're doing if you're doing something you care about have the gall to own that you're doing it and don't give a fuck if other people have issues with it because the modern warrior they're comfortable with who they are they're comfortable with what they're doing you know if you want to you know if you want to quit your stupid ass job that you're miserable in and you want to go be a trail guide in Colorado, then go be a fucking trail guide in Colorado and fuck anybody that's got issues with it. Because a real modern day warrior, he knows what he wants and he's going to do what he wants and he's going to do it to the best of his ability. And that all starts with taking ownership. That's awesome, man. Powerful words, no doubt. All right, brother, what I'm going to do here is I'm going to let you let our listeners know exactly where they can find you on social media, website, whatever you got going on. Great. So I, uh, I'm very active on social media. You can find me on LinkedIn. Unfortunately, I have a very generic name. So John Allen, but if you type in elite meat or Navy seal, it'll probably pop up, uh, on Instagram as well. My handle is John B Allen four one six. So it looks, it looks like John Ballin four one six. Um, and then also our website for elite meat, you can, uh, you can contact me there and that is elitemeat.us. So not.com.us. For our listeners, I'm going to link all this on our uh, webpage along with a banner and all that good stuff so you can uh, follow John and uh, hopefully you can get involved with that charity and reach out to them, no doubt about it. All right, my brother, man, it was an absolute honor to have you on. Um, some good stuff. Hopefully we'll have you on soon enough. And, uh, man, all I can wish you is success here in the future, man. You're doing a great job. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you. All right, brother. 
What a great conversation with John Allen. This guy's young, but he is wise beyond his years. More importantly, right, he disseminated so many great messages. I am hoping that you're going to take some of these to the bank, that you're going to be able to use them and integrate them into your life. So important. Listen, for those of you that are still sitting on the sidelines about the Conclave of Warriors, get there. I want to shake your hand. This is going to be a life-changing event, conclaveofwarriors.com. Also, give me a follow on Instagram, at manofwar with two R's. Until next time, your life may be challenging and full of dangers, but never retreat. Your last battle may be your greatest victory.